0: And use code get100. That's code get100 at PrizePicks.com/slash/get100 for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. PrizePicks daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Colby Conway at Colby R Conway. Right over here, this guy, <clears throat> Matt Sells at the Sells man. So, Matt, we've had no baseball for a couple of days. Have you been able to pass the time okay? I know I'm enjoying the break personally, but I am ready to get some MLB action back on the screen in games that actually matter and not mini-games or basically exhibitions.
2: Yeah, so um you know, did some gardening yesterday. Planted like I don't know, nine plants yesterday. I got uh, no, sorry. More than that, I don't know. We we did a lot of gardening around the front of our house. We're you know getting it in shape, doing some stuff that we've wanted to do for a little bit. Watched the home run derby. That was pretty impressive, especially watching Adley Rutschman go switch hitter, and then unfortunately getting knocked out with ease by Luis Robert, who was just bombing 480 foot homers. Um, and then watched a little bit of the All Star game. I don't know. I was for some reason less intrigued by this year's all-star game i don't i don't fully know why i do wish they would go back to letting them wear their actual unis instead of these god-awful great britain designed uh al and nl (laughs) jerseys but yeah i'm ready for some baseball to uh come back that actually matters
1: i i enjoyed the home run derby i think every year i just enjoy it it's always fun to watch like it is what it is at this point i I enjoyed it where did you stand on within the all-star game with them having the players mic'd up and talking to them. Are you a fan of that or anti-miking up the players during the game?
2: I thought it was cool. I mean, we do it, you know, there, there's other guys that are mic'd up, um, you know, football. Yeah, sure. You don't necessarily hear about it mid game, but we do have access to it. You know, obviously I cover NASCAR and F1 and Driver radios are a thing that you listen to throughout the weekend to find out how the car is going, who thinks of what during the race, what their strategy is going to be. So I thought it was kind of cool. Plus, got a little tidbit, and now I'm even more convinced that Juan Soto is coming back to the Nats because David Ortiz is apparently moving next door to Juan Soto. And so I think he's going to give him pointers about how to be a DH. So when he goes back to DC, he can DH, and then we can still have Dylan Cruz. And, um, you know, James Wood, Robert Hassel third, Elijah Green, maybe Victor Robles, maybe Lane Thomas, uh, you know, in the outfield mix. So I, I liked it. I thought it was interesting to hear during an at-bat um, and more power to him to be able to talk and think and process <laughs> about hitting a baseball at the same time.
1: I, I liked it. I thought it was the banter between like Mookie and Freddie, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, I thought was cool. You know, their teammates, yada, yada, yada. I really liked when Eovaldi was mic'd up because hearing him talk about and like talking to the announcer, like, Cutter, Splitter, what do you think here? Just talking. You could like hear that process. And then it was cool too as a former catcher for him to like talk about what he wanted. And then he'd be like, all right, let's see what, I don't remember if he said Jonah if he said hi I don't remember what he said but basically let's see what the catcher thinks and he was like yep and they were basically on the same page I thought was really cool I didn't love when Eovaldi was mic'd up and Corbin Carroll was mic'd up going against each other because now we lost that insight because Eovaldi wasn't going to say what he was going to throw it was cool for them they had had open mics so like yeah yeah I think I think in that moment and it was those two don't know each other all the well. So we had like, you know, like the congratulations and the, the, all the like formalities. I think if they're going to mic up a pitcher and a hitter, if they can do it, I think it would be really cool for two that had a rapport, whether they were like former teammates or something like that. Cause then there could be a little trash talk, a little, you know, it's not like two guys basically getting to know each other. It's two guys that have already faced each other. They know right. each other. Like you get some inside jokes that may come up. Like, I think that would have been really cool. My favorite part of the mic up was, hearing Eovaldi's thought process while pitching
2: right or you do it where only one of them is an open mic at a time so like you Mm -hmm. start with the pitcher he sets up the first pitch right then based on the result you shut off Eovaldi's mic and then you open Corbin Carroll's and he says okay so I got a fastball here it was here I'm thinking he's gonna do this now that pitch happens you shut off that mic and then you go to Eovaldi okay now we're in a 1-1 or an 0-2 or a you know 2-0 count Here's how I'm attacking. That would be cool. But yeah, simultaneous doesn't, doesn't – because you're not going to get any insight. You're just going to get two dudes who are congratulating each other about being all-stars.
1: Yeah, and like you said too, big shout-out to Iabaldi for being able because you could tell in the beginning when he was mic'd up, he was trying to focus on what he was doing, and then he was like, oh, I don't know if I'm talking enough. And then he started talking a little bit more, but you could tell like he was definitely like focused on it. So I, I think it was really cool. Yeah. I like that in part. I would enjoy that.
2: During I want more ump search. cam, by the way. They've yeah. done it sparingly this year, but I want more ump cam. Yeah. Because you, you get a real feel for exactly how hard it is to hit some of these
1: these pitches. And also, I'm not going to harp on this too much longer, because I want to get into the to our, our next segment here. But for the love of God, can we stop putting kids in the outfield?
2: Didn't one of them, like, yes medical attention? Yes.
1: He took a 107-mile-an-hour... Uh, line drive from Vladdy yeah. straight to the straight to the I believe it was above their right eye or forehead or something. This was a matter of time. They skated I by mean, all these past years without it. Like it's Well no. It's no.
2: The clip of of Pete Alonso dancing during the during the Home Run Derby a couple years ago. Immediate was immediately preceded by medical attention being served to a kid who missed one of his bombs and was getting walked off like all the way around the outfield to the, and he was and, sitting there just dancing, and it did And it especially did
1: this year too, with them just not like in past years, you know they had to wait till either the ball was on its way down or it had landed. And this year it was like, screw it, we're going rapid fire. The second it hits the bat, the next pitch can come is basically what it seemed like. If they're yeah. going to do that, you got to take the kids out because I mean, think about it. They're out there, they're enamored by the ball. What are they going to do? If ball's hit, it's it's like a dog fetching a ball, right? Eyes right to it. Nothing else around even matters. That right. next ball's coming. Just they don't. Don't put, don't put them out there next year. It's nope. cool. It's they fun. I don't have their head on this Or, you know what? If you want to put them out there, cool. When a righty's up, stick them in right field. Let them stand there. Because, yep. you know what? They may get worse. Or one. center. Or center, but don't even put them on the yep. pool side. But anyway, I digress. We know more of that. But, Matt, second edition of the week. You know it's coming up. It is down on the farm with Matt Sells at The salesman on Twitter and over at Fantasy Alarm. Everybody was waiting for it. The newspaper boy came around, handed it out. Newspaper boy or girl, I should say. The new prospect rankings. I was a
2: newspaper boy when I
1: was a kid. That was one of
2: my jobs. Six cents a paper delivered
1: 311 papers a week. Oof. Well, I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? But the new prospect rankings are out. Over at FantasyAlarm.com, top 400, updated team ranks, updated prospects in the top 400 team Positional, it is all there over at fantasyalarm.com, and of course you can get a free seven-day trial right now. That also that will give you the prospect rankings and everything you need there, as well as the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Draft Guide. So you get a free seven-day trial. Just head over to fantasyalarm.com, get yourself signed up there. But Matt, let's—I was diving into this. I was interested to see where a couple of guys would come, and looking at it, let's just talk about the first two picks in the draft. Dylan Cruz slots in at number eight overall for you, also the eighth hitter. And Paul Skeens becomes your number one pitching prospect in baseball. So talk to me about how you decide to put these two where they were, and then more specifically about Skeens of the Pittsburgh Pirates, not the Washington Nationals, why he has now become your top pitching prospect overall.
2: Um, So we'll start with um, uh, Skeens being the top pitcher. There's been a lot of turnover in pitching prospects uh, recently. Um, But there's also been some question marks and some injuries. Um, So, you know, Ricky Tiedemann was looking like he'd be on the verge of being the top prospect. And he's been a little iffy. Um, You've got the couple guys from the, from the Phillies, uh, Andrew Painter, most specifically, who's injured, right? We don't have a timeline for him uh, right now. So, You can't really put them there. And Paul Skeens comes in. He is very good. He is the best pitching prospect to be in the draft since probably Steven Strasburg. And yes, the last half of Strasburg's career has been bad, but when he was healthy, he was immense on the field. We all remember his debut. So there's a little bit of iffiness in, in pitching, right? Bobby Miller has shot way up my rankings. He's in the top 20 now, but again, I think Skeens has a higher upside uh, than than Bobby Miller. So in terms of that, you know, reasoning, it was fairly clear to me that Skeens would be the top pitching prospect. Um, but you can't discount any of the hitters that are ahead of him because they're going to affect the game a hundred, you know, a max of 162 times in a season. Whereas Skeens is going to do it about 33 times, right? Because it's just the nature of starters versus uh hitters so um and then in terms of dylan cruz i can't really slot him any higher than eighth um you know kyle manzardo so the guys i have ahead of him, jackson holiday is my new number one which by the way makes three o's that have been number one in my last four prospect rankings so we had adley was one gunner was one then you had corbin carroll at one and now jackson holiday is number one overall um Junior Camonero is two for me. James Wood uh, is three. Jackson Churio, four. Jordan Jordan Lawler, sorry, five. Evan Carter, six. Kyle Manzardo, seven. And then you get to Dylan Cruz. So, to me, all of those guys have proven their abilities throughout the minor leagues at this point, right? Jackson Holiday is on a fast pace. He may be up next year, to be perfectly honest. Dylan Cruz, as polished as he is coming out of college, still has to prove that he can do it in the pro ranks, right? So I put him at eight. That's how I came down on it. Uh, Wyatt Lankford is the next guy from the draft. He could have gone ahead of Skeens, but I feel like um, the upside of a premier starter is still a little better than Lankford's tools.
1: Fair enough. I can get behind that. Now, one thing also, when I was looking through the prospect rankings that you have here, looking through some of the guys, so like obviously from this draft class, Dylan Cruz comes in at number eight. We see Paul Skeens at number 12, Wyatt Langford at 14, Max Clark at 29, Walker Jenkins at 35. Those were the top five picks in the draft. Correct. Maybe not in that exact order, but you know, pretty darn close for the most part. So then I was interested. So I was like, well, does Matt continue the trend? Is it now the sixth pick? Do we see his beloved Noble Meyer as the next guy that comes in there? And instead, we see at number 40, St. Louis outfielder Chase Davis, who if I'm not mistaken was the 21st pick. So you have, of your prospects, you have basically – In not the exact order, but the top five picks is one, two, three, four, five. And now it's the guy who is drafted 21st is your sixth highest prospect in this class. So talk about, I know in our last edition, if you haven't heard that, go check it out, but you were very complimentary of the pick obviously. And that is shown and corroborated here, but just talk about your evaluation on chase Davis and why you really have him up there. Pretty darn high, all things considered.
2: So he has one of the sweetest swings in the draft class. He was, a very polished college hitter and a very good college baseball conference. The PAC 12 is a pretty good conference. And it really, so for those of you who read my, you know, draft primer and I broke it down by my favorite, not top five hitter or top five player who I hadn't mentioned, I mentioned Aiden Miller as my favorite guy. Aiden Miller is my, is after chase Daniel or chase Davis rather after Noble Meyer, and then it's Aiden Miller. Why is Aiden Miller now behind Chase Davis? It's simply the system that he went to. St. Louis has a very good history of developing players. So you have to give a bump there, um, and you can't just go based off of when they were drafted, which, by the way, Chase Davis was drafted before Aiden Miller. Um, you can't just go based off of you're like before the draft because if you'll notice, Chase Dolander is way down in the rankings. The guy, the o, the uh, the guy the A's picked is like 377th in the rankings. Jacob Wilson. Um. So yeah, it basically came down to the fact that I like the way that St. Louis develops guys more than I like the way that the Phillies develop guys.
1: Yeah. So. Okay, you stole a little bit of my lust because I was going to talk about Dolander next because of where he's ranked. So how do you evaluate and take everything into play? Because obviously like in this week's, excuse me, in the updated prospect rankings, you even talk about the fact that Dolander gets a big knock for going to Colorado despite the fact that he was pretty much a consensus top three arm in the class. So how do you go about evaluating talent and like the landing spot, like how, how, how does, basically how does your brain work when you're kind of going through this entire process and how, just, just how much do you put into the landing spot
2: Um, for pitchers? I put a pretty decent amount uh, into the landing spot. That's why Rhett Lauder, by the way, also slips outside of the top 100 for me because, well, I was also not as high on him as some others. I thought he was like, kind of like a Nick Ladolo coming out where he's like an innings eating, like mid rotation guy. Who's going to get some strikes. Right. Um, But the Reds have shown that they can develop pitching pretty well and they can pitch pretty well in that ballpark. The Rockies have not shown that at all. Right. Like we talked about this uh, in the Monday edition, when we analyzed the draft that I said, I like Chase Dolander's stuff. I think he'll be, Okay, in Colorado, but in terms of a fantasy, the other thing is you have to keep in mind that I am ranking these prospects based on fantasy value, not based on baseball value. If that was the case, Jacob Wilson would be a lot higher than he is. But for fantasy value, Jacob Wilson, who the A's took at sixth overall and is a very solid player, same with Tommy Troy, who I also said is like a baseball player that the Diamondbacks took, they're high average middle infielders but they don't do a whole lot in the counting stats department and that doesn't get you anywhere in fantasy right so chase dolander may be the best rockies pitching prospect they've had in a while but is that saying a lot like that's not the same thing as saying he's the best braves pitching prospect right that's why hurston waldrop who i also was iffy on coming into the draft got a bump for me. He wound up in the, you know, one of the best landing spots a pitcher can wind up for, not only in terms of home park, but also development. Do you realize that AJ Smith Shaver was drafted out of high school two years ago and already made the the majors. So they have a very good history of taking guys with two pitches and a fringy third one and turning them into the high quality. I mean, nobody paid attention to Spencer Strider when they took him, And now, People can't get enough of them, right? So it's – for pitching specifically, I do factor a lot more development and home park than for hitters.
1: Let me just ask you as a quick question so we can move on to our first half fantasy baseball awards. This may not be a great example or a question per se, but let's say Colorado had the first pick and took Paul Skeens. Would he still be the number one pitching prospect for you? In that case, would talent win out?
2: Yeah. Okay. The other thing with Dolander is he wasn't as consistent this year, right? So you kind of got to knock that a little too. Mm -hmm. But Paul Skeens' talent is so immense that he would would still be my – yeah, it'd be like 1A and 1B with Bobby Miller. But he – I mean, you'd knock him down a couple of spots, but I think he would still be my top pitching prospect.
1: Fair enough. And like I said, let's go ahead and give out our first half awards for the fantasy baseball season. We went a little chalky here with the first one, I have to admit it, maybe in terms of a production. I mean, you per, yeah, yeah, For sure. I mean, sure, you could pick some value guy that came out of nowhere, but we have a different category for that. So, yep. Matt, let's talk first half fantasy MVP. I got into the document before you did, so I got the yep. chalky one. <laughs> How do you not give it to Ronald Acuna?
2: You can't. He went like – 20, 30 in the first half and has a shot
1: at like 50, 80. If you simply double his numbers, which I know it's not a, it's not a apples to oranges comparison. It's just right. not how it you, works. But you if don't you simply, ever
2: extrapolate. Yeah, correct.
1: But if we were to simply just double. Yes. forty eighty season, three thirty plus batting average, nearly 160 runs scored and 110 RBI. I mean, he's pacing forty eighty. That That's my MVP.
2: I don't understand how that wouldn't be the best fantasy season of all time. I think it would
1: have to be, but
0: anyway. I mean he would
2: single-handedly win you every category. He would be the even new if you didn't get any stats in the other players. ones. He would win you all of the other ones.
1: <laughs> that is that is very true. Who is your chalky fantasy MVP?
2: Mine's got to be Shohei. Like even if you're in a league where you can't use him in both spots, he's still an MVP in, as either a pitcher. Or a hitter. Granted, the pitching hasn't been as great this year as it was last year. Still good. He's still like a top five fantasy starter, so like can't knock that. And he's your major league leader in home runs. Mm -hmm. On a team where like literally no, I mean, I know he had Mike Trout, but that's basically the only thing, right? So I got to go with Shohei. You could get him as like the seventh guy off the board. And he's helping you across – you know, he could win a triple crown as a pitcher. He could win a triple crown as a hitter. <laughs> Hard to argue against that one.
1: Absolutely. And then first half fantasy, whether you want to call it least valuable player or – I like a,
2: LVP. But, I yeah,
1: LVP. That's like – I think that's what the, uh, like, wood flooring in, like, or, houses they build now. Is or MVP, we could call it
2: NVP because N comes after M. And then it could be no value player.
1: Very – very true there. I'll give you two arms. First one for me is Christian Javier. Where did the strikeouts go? I don't know. I mean, where'd the ERA go? The wins are fine. His win loss record is going to be better. Shout out Astros for giving him some run support. But I mean, last year, K per nine of 11.7. This year were just barely above eight. Home yeah. runs are up a little bit compared to last year. The strikeouts in the ERA are the problem because everyone was drafting him. He seemed like such a value in drafts, and it just hasn't quite been there this year. And then Sandy Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara, Sandy Alcantara, however you want to say it. It has not been good. Records bad. Strikeouts are down. He's like the down. only
2: Marlins pitcher that's not producing.
1: I know. and this, I mean, win-loss record, worse than last year. The strikeouts yeah, for down. a team
2: that's like 21 games over 500 or something.
1: Yeah, strikeouts are down, walks are up, homers are up, ERAs through the roof. I mean, it's just, it's not good. Barrel rate's up against him, average exit velocity's up against him. His expected ERA is closer to his ERA, which is not good. It just, Javier and Alcantara have been the two for me that just, there were very many drafts. I wouldn't be surprised. We could probably get a bunch of screenshots of people that took them as their SP1 and SP2. <sighs> Yikes. Yeah, hasn't been good not, through the first half.
2: Not a good first half for either of those guys. Uh Mine, I'm going to go on a guy that uh, I was very high on this year, argued for him to be the number one overall pick, looking fairly stupid. Now, thanks, Ronald Acuna, and this guy, Trey Turner, for me. Um, If we're looking at NFBC ADP from January 1st to the day before opening day, which is March 29th, Trey Turner is neck and neck with Ronald Acuna Jr. Jr. in ADP, right? They both have the – the they were both number one overall picks. The worst you got them was ninth, okay? So they're both in the same spot. But, boy, have they had different seasons. Trey Turner's F4 ranks him as, like, the eighth or ninth best shortstop, let alone overall player. So far in the first half, like 10 homers. Sure. He's got 19 steals, but a bunch of those didn't come till June. Same with the homers. His batting average is like 247. Not great. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, he started to figure it out a little bit in June, but the first two months, man, I thought this guy was going to be the park fit him perfectly. He got his batting coach. You know, his hitting coach back that he loves, Kevin Long, he was in a stacked Phillies lineup, not like the Dodgers weren't bad, but, like, you're talking about a guy who left L.A. in a homer-friendly park in a stacked lineup and went to Philly, which is a homer-friendly park and a stacked lineup with his hitting coach and got worse. So, so that sucks. My other guy, I'm going to go with a pitcher, Alec Manoa. I don't know, like, and then he had a rehab start in single A and got lit up, like, <laughs> gave up 10 earned in, like, two-thirds of an inning against A-ball. Um, so that's not great. You were drafting that guy to be at worst an SP2, and he's been not even startable.
1: So, Yeah, yeah a couple of SP, well, in Al- uh, Alcantara's case, SP1, but Javier Manoa, SP2s. Not so great here through the first half. So, Matt, best waiver wire pickup. (laughs) I stole yours. For me, it's Tyler Wells using the same ADP parameters that you put earlier, January 1 to March 29, right before opening day. Average pick of 652, 225th pitcher off the board. Minimum pick was 325. So we're talking outside of the top 22 rounds of 15 team formats. And this year, he is now just winning games. He's striking out near a batter and inning ERA is just a smidge above three XERA in the fit. Some of those peripheral numbers indicate he may have been a little bit lucky, but home runs have gotten a little bit to him this year. But overall, Tyler Wells has been phenomenal for anybody that picked him up. And honestly, there's just no if ands, no if ands or buts about it. He's in a good spot, good offense backing him. So he's my best waiver wire pickup. Whom is yours at a position that is near and dear to my heart, actually. So I'm very excited for this one.
2: Yeah, I can uh, speak to how well I've loved Tyler uh, you know, Tyler Wells this year. I picked him up in my Dynasty League. I have him as a freebie in my 18-team home league. Guy has been phenomenal. He's outpitched a guy I kept in Chris Bassett. So, like, he could have been another least valuable. But uh, how do we not talk about Yiner Diaz and what he's doing? Like, he's been phenomenally good. And – In those same ADP parameters, he went off at 682. The 48th catcher off the board. Okay, His min pick was 340, which by the way, in a 12 team league, puts him in the 28th round. So for a guy that you're not taking out of your lineup to be the 48th catcher off the board, even if you're starting in a two catcher league, he's not even being drafted because you're not drafting more than two or three guys. So even in a 15-team two-catcher league, he's still not coming off the board. So, uh Yiner Diaz has been phenomenal. No, I couldn't put Jonah Heim because he was one of like the top eight catchers off the board. So, we'll go with Yainer Diaz, the
1: other Texan catcher
2: that's dominating.
1: And both of these guys could have been included in our biggest surprise from the first half. But I went ahead and said Spencer Steer. I like the power coming up from the minors. But my biggest surprise with him, he's tamed the strikeouts. The walk rate looks good, but mainly the speed. Where does this come from? Nine stolen bases, only caught stealing this year. They're letting him run. Spencer Steer, stolen bases are one of the biggest surprises for me to from the first half. It's uh, like that damn Vogelbach, <laughs> uh, bigger bases. Yep.
2: Commercial. Yep. Um, yeah. I, again, another guy I'm benefiting from. I have Spencer Steer. <laughs> and I've fielded multiple trade questions about him. I'm not giving him up, people. Sorry. um My biggest surprise, I'm going to go with Josiah Gray. Um, He's, look, he was an all-star. He pitched very well in his one inning in the all-star game. Um, In terms of where he was coming off the board, his ADP was 4'11". as the eighth national off the board. He's been really, really quite good. Um, You know, I, I think we all expected this when the trade was made between the Dodgers and the Nats that, Josiah Gray was a very good pitching prospect. Um, But this turnaround from last year to this year, he's got a three forty one ERA, almost a strikeout per inning. The walks are getting a little up there, but they're starting to figure it out. He's still got six wins on a team that's not really winning. Um, So, you know, for a guy that was a freebie, that's hard to complain about.
1: Absolutely. And then as of course, you know, we've had the all-star break teams bed multiple days to figure out the rotations. And of course, no one knows what they're going to do for the weekend. So our weekend streamer Matt and I combined for this one, Colby Allard 33% owned on fan track gets the white Sox slightly below league average overall this year with the ninth highest strikeout rate against lefties workloads, a bit of an issue with Allard. Don't know pitch count as a starter. He's gotten to 71 and 73 and two starts this season, but Chicago doesn't walk. So hopefully he can get a little bit deeper into the game. Five innings, five strikeouts, and a win is very doable against this White Sox team. But keep an eye and out it's for the in schedule.
2: Atlanta, where he has a zero ERA, in granted a very small sample size, but he's yet to allow an earned run at
1: home. And eight strikeouts to one walk in those four and two thirds. Four and two-thirds innings in that start against Minnesota low and home start of the year. But that'll do it for us here for this week's edition. Make sure you get over to FantasyAlarm.com. You can get a seven-day free trial that'll get you access to all the goodies that we got over at Fantasy Alarm, including Matt's updated top 400 prospect rankings, team rankings, everything with prospects, all of our content across all of sports, and of course, the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Draft Guide. So you can be ready for those drafts that are upcoming Give Matt Sells a follow on Twitter at TheSellsMan. I'm on Twitter at Colby R. Conway, and we will see you next week with the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.